Hello, and welcome to Rocket, Accelerated Geek Conversation. I'm your host, Simone de Roche. Wait, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I'm not Simone de Rochefort. I think you're Simone de Rochefort. Oh, uh, okay. I think I'm, you are. All right. Yeah. Well, I'm. I, I, the part, tonight on the uh, on the podcast Rocket, the part of Simone de Rochefort will be played by Christina Warren, <laughs> senior cloud developer advocate at Microsoft. That's a high bar, Christina. I know. I, mean, I, I yeah. I'm not wow. going to be good enough. I'm sorry. Wow. And the part of Brianna Wu, <laughs> Democratic representative, uh, candidate for condit. Soon to be representative. Soon to be representative. Yes. Yeah. The, the, the part of Brianna Wu, uh, Democratic uh, candidate for Congress, it will be played by Brianna Wu. So. Can I tell you about an awesome meeting I had yes. yesterday? Uh, real quick, this yeah. episode of yeah. Rocket is brought to you by Pingdom and Tech Memes, the Ride Home podcast. Oh my God. So I had a meeting with Cindy Gallup yesterday. Awesome. About ads for our campaign. And she is, mm, I don't want to say it, but she is really going to help us with the ads for our, our campaign. So I'm so super psyched about that. That's amazing. So, yeah, yeah, um, so yeah, for, for the yeah. listeners out there, we're kind of recording things this yeah, week a yeah, little yeah. bit out of place because we are actually live at Microsoft Build it's 2018 awesome. yeah. in the Washington State Convention Center in Seattle, Washington. And um, Bree and I are actually literally sitting in the convention <laughs> center right now recording this podcast. We've already done two interviews yep. and we've already tried to do this a couple of times and, and if the show is weird this week, guys, this is why. Because we had to do this in multiple parts. Well, how much sleep have you had? And be honest. Um, be honest. I've had eight hours sleep in the last 48 hours. Yeah, that's about the same for me. Yeah. Like, do you do the auto sleep thing with your Apple Watch? I do, but like I accidentally left it's my sad. Apple Watch at my apartment and I'm oh, staying no. at a hotel. Oh, no. Well, no, my Apple Watch, my, my apartment's like half a mile from here. Right, right, I could right, walk right. here um, to, to where we are from my apartment. But the hotel is slightly closer and it's just easier for me to stay at a hotel yeah, with yeah. the people that I work with. To get in every day. So, um, as I were talking about, as we said last week, you know, uh, Bree and I are both here at Build 2018. Simone is at Bono. She is. Simone is Her at One True Love. Yes. Um, we were saying this before. Like, part of us was we were kind of hurt that Simone chose Bono Very over hurt. us. Very hurt. Well, you were hurt. I was more <laughs> pragmatic because because I understand that I I know that there's no universe where Simone would ever choose right. us over Bono. If if. We were in a car crash together, oh, and yeah. Bono was in a car crash. Uh, Bono. Bono would get saved. Bono would get saved. He, <laughs> like if, if, if Simone has one kidney to give, right. it's going to Bono. Bono definitely. And, and I yeah. don't want to. That's fine. You know what? I, I love her I, for that. I can't accept it. Okay, I, I, I understand. <laughs> I'm just saying. Like I kind of, you know, like he's her Taylor Swift. Right. That's very true. That's very true. Um. So uh, actually, late breaking Taylor Swift news for the pod. <laughs> This literally happened between the times we did our two interviews that we're going to be talking and about. I don't believe this, by the way. No, this, this is true. This seems like a poor judgment call. Um, it's yes. a poor judgment call on everyone's behalf. Yeah. And frankly, I'm just tired, so yeah. we're not going to spend a lot of time yeah. on it. Yeah. <sighs> Katy Perry. So Taylor Swift's tour uh, uh, opens today, <laughs> like starts today as we're recording this, which is on Tuesday. And uh, Katy Perry sent her an olive branch. Why? I don't know. Because because maybe we got bad blood. I don't know. It's it just it, she sent her an olive branch with some note, and then Taylor did an Instagram story pic- picture of the olive branch with the note that people kind of like read a this, literal olive branch, like literal not olive, no, like a literal olive branch with like a note, and then there was some handwriting on it that that you know the stands immediately deciphered, saying you know dear my old friend, you know we haven't talked in a while, and this communications blah, blah. I don't care. Anyway, blah, she blah. anyway she puts you know thanks Katie you know in the in the caption. Guys, 
you know how much I love Taylor. Yep. And also this podcast has, has previously very much enjoyed uh, Katy Perry and Left Shark. Yep, yeah. Uh, I don't I'm care. I'm still a fan of yeah, Left Shark. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I'm still a fan of Left yeah, Shark. Yeah. The last Katy Perry album was terrible, but uh, I'm so tired. Yeah? I don't yeah. care. Yeah? And I don't know if it's because I'm tired because of Bill that I don't care or if I'm just so over the whole Katy Perry, Taylor Swift thing that I can't even. I, I, I kind of, I appreciate that Taylor, that Katy Perry is willing to stand up to the death star of the music industry. No, I mean, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Although part of me wonders if she sends it right when she goes on tour so that Taylor yeah. has to give her promo. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's like her payback for... Um, Taylor releasing her stuff on Spotify the same day that um, Katy Perry released her album. Yeah. Maybe she's like, I'm going to steal back the the media attention. I, yeah, my read on it is like Cardi B is carving out such a new part of the music industry yeah. for herself. And then Taylor Swift and Katy Perry are kind of more in the same universe. Yeah, I agree with Do that. Do you know what I mean? No, I, so, I, I totally agree. Yeah. I'm just, I, I just, I'm, what I'm trying to say is I don't believe that the bad blood is over, nope. but I'm also just really tired. Yeah, I feel you on that. Um, so what we're going to do this episode is we're going to, uh, first we're going to talk with Ed Thompson, who is a program manager for Visual Studio uh, Team Services, focusing on Git. And we had a great chat with, with Ed. Yeah. Yep. Did, what, did, uh, what did you think of that, Bree? I think, like, A, he's, what, this is what I appreciate about Microsoft Build. You're talking to people, and, like, the really cool, awesome people here at this conference. That's not to say at WWDC you don't meet cool people, but, like, it's just, he's like, there's a real human side to him. And that's not something you get when you're talking about version control yeah. with people. Yeah, so, 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 so heads up to the audience. Yeah. If you're not super technical, I think you can still enjoy the, the interviews, but yep. these are more technical yeah. topics. This is one of our geekier shows. It, it is, because this yeah. is, um, Build is a, is a developer conference. Yeah. Um, this is really a developer <laughs> conference. Like, if you walk around the floor out there, it's amazing. Because the last time I was walking on a show floor, is at PAX East. It's yes, like, same. I was playing the new Tomb Raider here. And now it's like, you know, it's like, it's hardcore DevTools here. Yeah, like, yeah. It, it's, it's DevTools. You know, there's obviously a lot of Windows stuff, a lot of languages stuff. Um, although, <laughs> there was a Kate Spade Surface Book case that I you know, found. I saw this. I saw this. You know, Bree sent me a text with this, and I have to say, like, props to whoever is on Microsoft Surface Teams, yeah. um, uh, you know, it's partnership right over thing. There. You can go buy it. No, right I, now. I'm going to yeah. because yeah. I might actually for my Surface book yeah. because honestly, like, that's the sort of stuff that I wish other companies have been doing it's forever. So that's true. Apple because that's it's Apple's so been the only one who's made those partnerships. But they haven't done it well lately, I, I would say. The Michael Kors stuff was garbage. I agree, yeah, I agree. Yeah. But, 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 but what I'm saying, though, is Kate Spade has made iPhone cases for forever. And yep. Kate Spade has made their laptop cases fit MacBooks for forever. So it's cool yep. to see, at a Microsoft thing, a service book, like, a sleeve. Absolutely. I, I, I'm excited by that. I would have been excited if it were Dell XPS. But, I mean, I think that... that Kudos to whoever, like, made that deal happen, because that's cool. No, it's right. Like, this is my purse right here. I can't fit my MacBook in it, right? right? And I think I really wish more companies would think about that, because, like, women use computers no. these days. Well, we talk so. about it all the time. Remember, we were going to do that challenge right. in Rocket. We never did. We've got to maybe bring it back this year where we, we really went, where we're to. going to do, like, the, yeah. the, the laptop yeah. bag yeah. reviews, because it's a real thing, and, and there are very few companies that do it. So No one does it. No one does it. No. I mean, yeah. honestly, Kate Spade Coach, which is the same company now, um, or the same owner, um, uh, is uh, is one of the few that will do that, yeah. but yeah, but it, it makes it really hard yeah. to but find I those was, things. I was disappointed. So on a rocket episode a few uh, back, we saw this really great Kate Spade 
iPhone 10 case, yes. right? We had sparkles on the back of it. And I saw that. I'm like, it's gorgeous. I bought it on the show immediately. Yep. But I got it. And do you know that thing where low-rent iPhone cases have the silicon buttons? Yep. And they just are really uncomfortable I to do. use? That's... Yeah, that's that. You know, no, we'll and see top tier. I, I agree. I would yeah. say, like, I've ha- I have found with, Tate, with Kate Spade that their case stuff for those things aren't necessarily worth the money. I will say their leather products I think are good, and yeah. so oh, this, God. Yeah. you know, I mean, yeah. it's yeah. funny because Bree's yeah. saying that she's got a Kate Spade bag. I have a Kate Spade, bag, but everybody knows I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's my, that's like no, you my. You got my, me into this. Yeah, been I was the gonna, best person. I was going to say, I was yeah. going to say that's like my, uh, yeah. like my, yeah. my, uh, my signature uh, thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, that's really cool. But um, so, but in addition, to talking to Ed Thompson about getting stuff. We're also um, going to be talking with um, uh, Lori Lampkin, who is the uh, um, uh, program, oh, she's the director of program management for Visual Studio Team Services, and she heads up the um, uh, one engineering um, uh, 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 services team at Microsoft, and so she kind of talks to us about various um, uh, ways that, that that team works together and some of the stuff that VSTS does, and, and Bree, and I kind of talked to her about some general thoughts about changes at Microsoft and about software development. Mm-hmm. And so that's a good time. Um, but before we kind of get into those interviews, Bree, um, first of all, I want to get your thoughts on Bill, but I also want, to, want you to tell us about what, um, your, your, your talk you gave this week. So, uh, I mean, well, starting with Microsoft, Bill, this is, I think the theme that we keep coming back to is this really is a new Microsoft. And for me, it's been quite a few years since I've been to an official Microsoft conference. And... What I see here is I've never seen as many women anywhere at a tech show as I have at Microsoft Build this year, which is cool because this is by far the geekiest tech conference <laughs> yeah. I've ever been to. Like this is hardcore, this is nerdy, nerdy dev tools like DevOps, like scalability, APIs, like really hardcore tech stuff. So, but what I think is really interesting is um, you know last night at my talk I'm talking to a lot of very bright younger women. And all of them, it's like, well, I just started working at Microsoft a few years ago. And I think like you're really seeing a new Microsoft here. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And I think we were when we were talking before about this, you were kind of mentioning the, the build keynote and and kind of contrasting it with what you might see at Google I.O., which is also mm-hmm. taking place this week. Mm-hmm. The only reason we're not talking about it show, it's not just because we're here, although that's part of it. We're recording before we've had a chance to look at that. I haven't stuff. looked at the news today. I was gonna say you? I haven't yeah. seen no, I haven't had no. a chance to see anything. Next week when when we're back, yeah, we, we we'll can cover we, it. we we'll can cover, cover um, yep. the, the big I.O. news. Um, but you know, I.O. and WWDC obviously have really big consumer focuses yeah, for their yeah. dev conferences. Absolutely. And, and um, you know, Build has in the past too, and there are certainly some consumer-facing things. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you, you were saying before, like this is a developer conference, like this is nerdy. Right. It's hard, I think, for Microsoft because, like, even at WWDC, like I was, I'm looking at buying a new MacBook. You were telling me to wait until WWDC yes. to buy that, which it makes sense. But it's a developer conference, right? So putting out like hardware, you know, it's part of the the sizzle that they're bringing out there. It's the same for Google I.O. I'm sure when I look at the news today, we'll see low-cost cameras or you know, some there, new there, toys. There will probably be right. some hardware component. Absolutely. Yeah. And, but Microsoft doesn't really even have that. I was actually surprised when I went over to the Surface store here. They didn't even have discounts for Surface books and stuff like that, which seems like a slam dunk for this conference. So um, I just I think it's... It's a far more ephemeral thing that Build is talking about this this year because you're talking about new tools for um, AI, you're talking about new chip architecture, you're talking about you know, new scalability to- tools, you're talking about a lot of version control things. There's no thing you can point to for the public and say, right. you need to cover this 
this just not there. Yeah, no, so. I mean, it's, it's a different kind of conference. And I mean, I think part of that is, you know, Windows, which has always had its own cadence and its own events, has moved to kind of this rather than annual or, or biannual or whatever release cycle where you have like Windows 7, Windows 8, Windows 10. Now it's like different every quarter or so you have a new Windows release. Absolutely. And we just had the April update, um, uh, April creators update, or maybe they just called it April update. That literally just launched like last week. And that's why people are getting new features. And so it's <laughs> happening, you know, kind of on an ongoing basis. So you don't even have, it, you know, um, like the a, a new box version yeah, that you're buying, you yeah. know? And so, but, but, but that team has its own kind of releases. But that kind of, as you kind of have a, almost a rolling operating system release, it right. makes it harder to have big events around right. that kind of stuff or to tie it directly to development stuff. But with Liquid Computing, this is the direction Microsoft is going to kind of hide that from, well, I wouldn't say hide it because the developers are going to see no, it. No, I was going to say. But, make but, it more seamless. Make it more seamless. Yeah, I mean, the yeah. idea behind the cloud is that developers don't have to own the hardware and can do all the things they want to do from wherever they want to do it and it can be secure and it can be efficient it can be faster but the regular user mm-hmm. isn't thinking about that they, but nope. they didn't but they didn't think about it before either you right, know right, right. so <laughs> it, i mean if you're doing it right like i didn't think about how was my software developed and and mm-hmm. where are certain things stored if it's locally or or on a server somewhere it didn't matter as long as it was running Absolutely. and that's all i care about is how is it running not mm-hmm. how was it developed whereas Again, this conference is all about, you know, I mean, it's called Build for a Reason. It's about building things. I think it was really interesting. Most of the news coming out of here was like Microsoft partnerships to tie their work closer to iOS, tie it closer to Android, tie it closer to, you know, Amazon, like basically to work within all these other ecosystems and just always to be present there. And you remember as well as I do a few years ago when Microsoft bought brought a full-fledged version of Office to the iPad. Yes. It was stunning. It was big news, but now that's their plan everywhere. Exactly. Yeah. No, I mean, there's, so uh, The Verge uh, this week ran an interview uh, with, with Satya Nadella. Really good stuff. Really yeah. good stuff. Uh, the Dieter Bone did, and one of the things that Satya was kind of talking about was, and, and that Dieter was kind of pressing him on, was what happens when like uni- when Windows might not be the center of, of the universe. And, sure. And he was saying, you know, we don't necessarily want everything to run on Windows, we want Windows to work with everything. Exactly. And I, I'm paraphrasing what he said, but that is a really big shift mm-hmm. from saying everything has to run on Windows to mm-hmm. saying we just want every platform that's out there to have a way to interact with Windows. Right. Because it's about the data, it's about the security, it's about the services on the back end. It's not necessarily... Like, you know, UI has gotten so good, I, I kind of feel like Windows is too thick a client for many, many, many people and many applications. So it's I, I really like where I see Windows going. I like where I see Microsoft going. I just think it's a harder sell to give the public. I so, would agree with that. I would know. agree with that. I mean, and, and, and this is definitely, you know, a developer conference. But you're right. It makes it harder, especially, you know, when, when lots of other things are happening. And yeah. it, but, but, at least, but there are lots of exciting things happening, too. This episode of Rocket is brought to you by Tech Meme Ride Home, a new podcast covering the technology stories of the day. Now, techmeme.com has already earned a reputation as the place to go to find out what you've missed in the world of tech. And now they're bringing their love of technology to a brand new podcast. Side note, I have to say this because this is genuine. I go to techmeme.com dozens of times a day. Um, I went there all the time when I was a technology journalist just to kind of see the trending things of what was happening and hoping that I too could make the front page of TechMeme because that you know would give me uh, good points. 
but or my give my ego good points, but also it's just a great, great way to see all the aggregated stories about everyone's take about everything that's happening. And so there's a new podcast that kind of does that same thing in podcast form. It kind of distills all the news in one package. And the best part about Tech Meme Ride Home, in my opinion, is that it's hosted by Brian McCullough, who you might know from the Internet History Podcast. Brian seriously knows his stuff, and throughout his career, he's interviewed a ton of entrepreneurs, engineers, and other people who've made the internet era happen. I've actually been a guest on the Internet History Podcast a couple of times. I would love to go back anytime Brian would like to have me, and it's actually interesting because now I'm meeting people who all the time I'm like, you would be a great guest for Brian's show. Uh, Also, Brian, you need to write the book whenever you have free time because or finish the book, get it published because I can't wait to read it. But no, seriously, the Internet History Podcast, one of the best podcasts on the planet. Brian McCullough, one of the best people and hosts on the planet. And Tech Me My Home is seriously a podcast I now listen to, if not every day, very regularly. New episodes of Tech Me My Home are released every weekday, so you can stay up to date with the headlines. Plus, here's some interesting commentary from the world of tech. The show is pretty brief. It's 15 to 20 minutes long, and it's released at 5 p.m. Eastern, so it's perfect for your commute home in the evening. Open your favorite podcast app right now, search for Tech Me My Home, hit subscribe while you're there so you don't miss the next show. Our thanks to Tech Meme for their support of the show. See, this is why we need Simone here, Brie, because she can... If she were here, she could make this segue into this interview. She, could. she would. She would say something like, "I, I don't even know." She would make it weird. Yeah, really um, weird, uncomfortable. So we're going to get to our first interview. Yeah, we're going to get to our first interview with Ed Thompson, who's a program manager on Visual Studio Team Services (VSTS) at Microsoft, um, focusing on Git and Git security. Mostly just Git. Mostly just Git. Yeah, I yeah. just happened to get plugged into a couple of, uh, uh, well, actually, one major security issue with Git maybe the first major security issue that, that we had with Git. Okay, so let's back up a little bit. So this yeah. is the first major issue that Microsoft had with Git or that anybody had with Git? No, that the Git project had. Okay. Really? Tell us about that. This yeah. is interesting. Let's yeah. go, let, yeah, let's go so, back and tell us. Right. So this was a couple of years ago now. And so if you, if you look at the history of Git, it was written, it was built by Linus Torvalds mm-hmm. to support the Linux kernel. Yep. Right. And there's something about Linux, and that is that it has case sensitive file systems. Yes. Yep. The rest of the world doesn't. <laughs> right? So Unix, case sensitive, no problem. Windows, not so much. Mac, not so much. And so Git was developed in this sort of Linux bubble at the time, and, and nobody kind of thought about the fact that um, your Git repository, mm-hmm. so when you, when you clone a Git repository, you'll get a, a folder on disk called .git. Yep. And inside that is all sorts of metadata about your repository, your history, um, the, the actual objects, all that stuff. There's also a couple of scripts that you could run. So you can install a hook uh, that gets run every time you check out a branch, every time you switch branches. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and that's just a script. It's arbitrary code. And of course, if somebody could write into that, that would be terrible. No, that would be disastrous. That's right. Right. That's right. And of course, so Git takes a special precaution. Mm-hmm. You couldn't, say, check files into a Git repository that would end up getting written into that .git folder. Right. right? That right, would be right. terrible. Absolutely. Right? Uh, and it does that by looking at the path. It, 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 does, it does a stircom. You know, right? It's, it's C. It does a stircom. Uh, is this folder .git? Mm-hmm. And if it is, then it, it won't let you write into it. <laughs> Unless 
you right into dot capital G I T. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, no. That's clever. It is That's clever. That's clever. So how long did it take for this vulnerability to be found? Oh, my God, years. <laughs> I mean, so Git is, Git is now, I mean, this was roughly the 10, about, Git was probably about 10. Yeah. And it was actually the Mercurial yeah, yeah. team that found it. Oh, oh, my God. Okay. So, so for our listeners who aren't familiar um, with, with the version system wars, um, after, <laughs> so, so there, first there was, there was the CVS, and, sure. and, and then there's SVN, and that, yeah. was, that was used. And then um, what was it that, that the Linus was using before Git? It was, it was BitLocker? No, it was Bit Bit, Keeper. BitKeeper. And that was proprietary, but the Linux kernel had a special license to be able to use, and then one of the members of the Linux kernel made the creator of, of BitKeeper angry, so he withdrew <laughs> the license and oh, said, no. you can't use it anymore. And Linus was like, screw you, I'll build my own and call it Git, which is you know really funny for people um, who live in Europe. And um, that, for our audience, is like a... That's, that, that's, a, that's a pretty good summary, okay. actually. Oh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. So Linus names all his projects after himself. Of Linux and, and then and Git. Git. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so, but, but at the same time, the Git was coming out and was kind of gaining popularity. There was this other file system, Mercurial, which has a lot of the same ideas mm-hmm. that was picked up. It was Ruby who was into Mercurial? Is that... Whoa, I don't even... Uh, that's a great question. I don't remember. I know Facebook is using it today. Yes. Yeah. I, I, yes, I do. Yeah, Facebook still uses it. They're like the only ones. Huh. Basically, I mean, uh, 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 Ed is, is like making a face, like he doesn't want to say anything bad at Mercurial, um, and, and Ed doesn't have to because he is the one representing the, the Git team here. I am not. Uh, I am a Microsoft employee. I'm not representing anybody on Git, Christina so I can make rogue. Christina can take shots. Also, I liked Mercurial; it was fine, but I never used it like in a dev environment. I just liked its syntax, other stuff. Okay, right. so at this time, there was kind of a rivalry in. in, in it was, I guess the, it was open for debate who would win. So it's interesting that the big security hole was found by this rival version control system. Yeah, that's right, because they have the same problem. Oh, wow. Oh. Right. And, and so did they report it? Like, did they let the Git team know? That's exactly right. Yeah. Oh, that's that's very nice of them. It, it actually was. is. It I don't was. know if I'd make that choice. I'd be like, let them burn. I mean, yeah. Yeah, exactly, because yeah. it, it's interesting, because it, you would think, oh, but it's open source theorist, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know uh, theory ethos to do that. No, I, I don't think that the, the <laughs> for instance, I don't think FreeBSD would have done that. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I don't know. I'm not going to get into <laughs> what the BSDs are going to do with each other. Sure. So okay, okay, listeners need to know is sweating right now. I, oh my all god! Stuff just Christina buckets and I are dripping saying. off yeah. my face. It's like that scene in Airplane. Yeah, he, he's, he's like, if I say anything, Theo yeah. is just going to come out. No, I'm kidding. Right. Um, no, no, but actually, the Mercurial team and the Git team get along pretty well. That's yep. awesome. Yeah, and uh, especially Facebook. So Facebook has a giant Mercurial installation. Microsoft has a giant Git installation, and we actually get around and compare notes. We have a little conference called DevTools at Scale. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, where wow. we, yeah it's, it's really awesome. So, that's actually a really smart idea for a dev conference. I hadn't thought about that because there are very few companies that are of those scale that they have those sorts of things, but the things I bet you figure out in the process of your workday, both creating products and then using them, are things that all size development teams would you know, there might be edge cases or things that they could learn from. That's exactly right. Yeah. If, if the, you know, the way we think about it on the Visual Studio Team Services team, if we can host the Windows repository, we can host anybody. <laughs> right. Well, that, and that was kind of the whole thing. So we kind of leading up to you telling us about um, this uh, security thing was that, you know, um, we talked about this with Lori, is that I guess it was about a little under a year and a half ago, the migration um, of moving everybody um, on Windows over to Git yeah. was completed. Incredible, right? Right. 
so so his eyes just got really yeah. huge as yeah. he was thinking yeah. about that. But back so, to but back to the security flaws. Yeah. So okay, so the, so the Mercurial team reports it, and then what what happens then? Like how how do how how is it fixed, and what impact does that have? Yeah, that's a. It, it was really interesting. So. Like I said, this was kind of the first major one. So there wasn't really a process yet. So I actually kind of got plugged in very accidentally. I'm the maintainer of a project called Mm LibGit2, which is a... it's a re-implementation of Git, yep. right? So you've got Git, the command line application, and then you've got libgit2, which is a nice linkable library. And we're used in places like a bunch of GUI tools. Mm-hmm. We're used in uh, GitHub and in Visual Studio Team Services and in GitLab. Like all the hosting providers use us uh, for a little bit of something. Uh, and so as the maintainer of libgit2, I, I got plugged in with one of the Git maintainers who uh, indicated that that there was a problem in Git, that libgit2 <laughs> was also vulnerable. Yeah. And so that's kind of how Microsoft got involved because, you know, he's like, oh, hey, it turns out we're vulnerable if you uh, check out a file called dot capital G-I-T slash, you know, hook slash post checkout. Yeah. Um, we'll just totally run some arbitrary code. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's, that's kind of bad. I'm trying to think of all the evil stuff you could do I'm, with that. I'm, it's right. like literally an infinite list. Oh, my God, I'm, I know, right? I'm trying yeah. to kind of get over the idea that no one caught this for 10 years. Right? Because, Thank goodness. Uh, no, seriously, because like as bad as Heartlead was, sure. uh, you know, uh, like this would have been oh, so bad <laughs> like right. for so many dev teams because yeah. it, by 2014, which I guess is about when this happened, yeah. uh, give or take, I, I'm assuming, is that is that all the right timeline? Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, it, so many places were using Git. I mean, obviously GitHub was was already very big at that point. It's even bigger now. That's right. You know, and, and you had you know, self-hosted stuff, um, uh, and that could have been disastrous. It could have been. I mean, the, the, the nice thing about it is that you would have to craft this repository especially and then convince somebody to clone it, right? So that, that's not... It's not trivial. It's not trivial. But, you could, you, but you, could, you could see a world where someone would gain access to a repository as a committer. Absolutely. Then put things there, yep. and it was a popular repository that someone would clone. Yep. And then, you would, and then it would spread. I mean, yeah. you could just maintain it, because at that point, it would just basically, if someone figured out that exploit, and if it were still exploitable, your real target would just be really popular GitHub repos. That's Absolutely. exactly right. And yeah. so the first thing we did was to patch GitHub, to patch Visual Studio Team Services, to patch all the hosting providers so that we could cut it off before it ever actually got out there. And then, of course, the second thing we did was encourage everybody to upgrade their clients. So fast forwarding to like 2018, like Microsoft has moved completely over to Git. Yeah. So, I mean, tell us about that. What were your challenges? Like, what was that? What has that transition been like? Right. It's been, uh, it's been a couple of years now. Yes, um, yes. The, in the very first, the, the very beginning, if we wind all the way back to when my buddy Martin said, hey, I think we should put Git into Visual Studio and VSTS. Absolutely. Uh, the first thing that we had to do was convince the lawyers that this was a good idea, <laughs> to be completely honest with you. Oh, really? Because of the open source thing? Yeah, because yeah. it it's all GPL. Right, exactly. Right, no, right, and, and right. so I guess they had to make sure, well, it's GPL too, but I guess they had to make sure there weren't going to be any legal ramifications right. of having any of the, the you know, non-GPL stuff hooked in or using it or whatever. Yeah, that's right. That actually, that seems like a legitimate worry no, to I mean, me. Yeah. It, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, because at this point, I mean, Correct me if I'm wrong, because you, I, I'm sure, kind of know more about this, but there hasn't really been a lot of proven case law around 
open source stuff. I mean, right. I, there's a lot of like kind of theories, but there hasn't really, I mean, there's been some enforcement of things, but there hasn't really been proven case law in terms of like attachability and, and that sort of That's thing. That's true. But even if you take a, a step back, like I don't want to, I don't want my team to make the case law either. Right? No, I, no, I agree with you. I <laughs> agree with you. Very respectful to everybody's community and to everybody's. Sure, no, well, well, no. Well, to your point, a the lawyers don't necessarily want to, you know, there, harm yes. something. But also, your team doesn't want to use a product that could then and then accidentally harm that community. That's exactly right. right. right That's right. exactly right. We want to absolutely be respectful, and we, I, I think that we have been to be, you know, to be honest with you, we've got a lot of people contributing to Git now on our team. So I think that we've actually done a really good job integrating it. But, uh, but yeah, the lawyers, lawyers were a tough sell in yeah, the beginning. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then the executives were a tough sell. I can't tell you how many times beginning. I've had a great idea and I call my lawyer. He's such a buzzkill, man. <laughs> yes. Or, He's such a buzzkill. Or if your lawyer's not a buzzkill, like your boss's boss's boss. Right. You know, That's right. Because right, right. it can be hard to do that. And I would imagine, especially because, you know, it, before that, um, Lori was saying, um, that I guess the version control system that had been used it was a bunch of different things, but they're all kind of homegrown. Yeah. And there were probably different factions I can imagine of people championing <sighs> one thing over another, oh, and yeah. this is why this should be the case. And and to, and to then not only come in and say, not only are we not going to choose one of these own factions that we are homegrown ourselves where we're fighting, mm-hmm. but we're going to come in and say we're going to use this open source, not created <laughs> in our backyard solution, oh, God. and and adopt that because it's the right method to use. That's right. right. Yeah. yeah. I don't. I, I don't know what the conversation went like with the Windows team, but sure. I kind of think that, hey, Linus Torvalds invented this. We're going to use it. <laughs> Probably didn't go over well for everybody. No, totally. And I mean, and, and, and by, I mean, I remember because I, I was still a reporter when the news came out that everything had moved over. And I was like, I thought it was really cool. And I thought the story of scaling was amazing. But I was also kind of like laughing a little yeah. bit because right. I was like, Windows is using Git. Yeah. You know, because it, it does. But I think this is kind of the, the, the broader story when it comes to DevOps and I think Microsoft in general is it's like the, the new direction is to do what's best for the customer, for the company, for yeah. the product. Yeah. Not, not, not to be, yeah. you know, uh, uh, so siloed into like who created this choice. I totally agree. I, I, I think that's a great summary. So other than like the legal and the leadership challenges, what like on a technical level, what has been, because this is a, a, a sprawling, huge product that you're trying to put out, like, yeah. right? This is a huge change. You're talking about engineering workflow changes. You're talking about fundamental changes to the tools. You're talking about literally getting everyone at Microsoft to do things a different way. So like, what was that, what was that transition like? Yeah, it's... Um well, so one, putting it into the product was hard. Sure. Right? Uh, so we, like I said, I'm the maintainer of libgit2. We use a little bit of libgit2. Right. We use a little bit of Git. We use a little bit of our own like C-sharp code on the server that we've like, tightly optimized. Yeah. It's crazy uh, the amount of, of effort we've put into just making it work on VSTS, period. Mm-hmm. And then bringing people in has been incredibly challenging um, because we moved their cheese, right? Yeah. Everybody was used to whatever tool they were using before. Maybe it was uh, Source Depot, which is a homegrown Microsoft tool. Absolutely. Uh, maybe it was TFVC, which, which is... Which is what VSTS was using before, right? That's or, right. Yeah. That's right. It's kind of like the spiritual successor to Source Depot. And um, some, so some people never left Source Depot and went to TFVC. Uh, and some people were already using Git, and so that was, that was easy. But the people who weren't, um, we kind of had to swoop in and train them. <laughs> Uh, because it's not the most obvious system yeah. if you've uh, uh, if never you've used, used it before. Or if you've used something else, maybe. Yeah, especially then. 
right? You try to do this mental map of concepts, and it doesn't always sure. doesn't always work. Um, so that was actually really neat. I and I don't remember which team it was. I think it was Windows, mm-hmm. who uh, had this really clever way to to train everybody. Basically, like you know, on a team of I don't know six to eight or ten, whatever developers, they would make they would kind of designate the Git champion on that team, <laughs> and they would be responsible for That's awesome. answering questions. I would want to be the Git champion on that team. Exactly. That's exactly. a great way to phrase it. I yeah. think Git champion is going to be the episode title. Right, Boom. Git champion. I yeah. love it. Yeah. And uh, but you know there are questions that that they can't answer because they're not they don't have to be like the well, complete. If you're a good Git champion, you can. <laughs> If you but don't th- suck. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. But you don't, you don't yeah, have to be yeah. the complete expert, right? Right. right so um, within that, like we, they, they enabled the Git champions to talk to each other. They, like they had <laughs> mailing lists or a chat room or something. Um, and then ultimately, uh, th- we, there's there's a, a line to the product team, to the VSTS team, to answer any questions that still remain. I have to tell you, you give me the best idea. From now on. When I find people for my campaign, I'm not going to call them like Brianna Wu. I could call them the Brianna Wu champion. I love it. And I could give them that title. And that makes yes. them feel like they're war every Enable day. Enable them. I'm yes. stealing your ideas. Uh, I wish Don't it was mine. It's open source. Yeah, there open you go. Source, <laughs> source. All right. I love it. Um, yeah. Okay. So you had the, yeah. the Git champions. What was, and then, I mean, but there were technical things too. I mean, like you guys had to like build like a file system basically. Yeah. Ooh. That was a, that was a really tricky one. Ooh. Moving everybody into... Kit <laughs> seemed like a, a an impossible challenge. I've got to be completely honest with you, um, because the Windows team has a bunch of repositories. They've got a bunch of code, but they've got one main repository, one mono repo that they work in, and it's about 350 gigabytes of code. Ooh. And uh, Git doesn't scale to that. <laughs> Source Depot scales to that. We built it to scale to that. TFVC scales to that. We built it to scale to that. Git scales exactly as far as Linus cared about, which was the Linux kernel. I was going to say, that's basically been probably the biggest reboot to that time. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean... Maybe, uh, maybe some uh, about that. further, but sure. yeah, that's, that's the kind of scope that, that you want to be thinking about, right? Um, yeah, Git, no. Uh, <laughs> not with Windows, not with the Windows repo. It just didn't make any sense. So... We talked with the Windows team. We had a very frank conversation. <laughs> they had a very frank conversation with us, which I think involved obscenities. And, mm-hmm. yeah. um, I'm imagine it's all tense, like a divorce lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> like it's like really. Yeah. They're, they're yeah. like, okay, you're telling yeah. us what now? What? Right. What, how what? are we going to do this? Yeah. And so, uh, <laughs> but we sat down and, and, you know, engineers on each side, program managers <laughs> on each side, uh, sat down and, and, and figured out a way forward, which was this thing we call the Git Virtual File System, which is GVFS. And it's, you can imagine it like OneDrive On Demand. Do you know OneDrive On Demand? Yes. Yeah. 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 Right. It's OneDrive On Demand, but for your source code. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Okay. That's really, that's actually a really good analogy. Okay. So when you run GVFS clone, uh, everything else is the same, except for the, the initial getting started setup phase. So you run GVFS clone, and instead of getting all of your files and all of your history, you just get the metadata about your repository. And that's enough for GVFS to project this view of what your repository looks like. So you run dir, looks like you've got all the files, but you haven't downloaded any of them. When you go to open one of the files with your text editor or whatever, that's when it gets downloaded on demand from Visual Studio Team Services. And that's enough to enable everybody to work. So 
you know, if you're working on Notepad, if you're adding Unix line endings to Notepad, <laughs> which I just saw happen. I was going to say, this is like a new thing at Build 2018, was that uh, Unix line endings are now part of Notepad. Oh, that's a great idea. Uh, well, I mean, it was a big problem for Windows developers oh, working on, yeah. on, on, on Unix systems because it... Yeah, it was bad. So that was one reason why I think a lot of people probably use Linux or, or use like, like Mac OS or whatever when they were doing sort of things because yeah, yeah. you had to use, I mean, obviously you have other editors that, that could that do that, but, but you didn't have that kind of native support. Right. That is so funny. Yeah. 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 But, so, but if, you're, yeah. if you're the person implementing that, you don't need the source code for a, a video driver. You don't right. need sure. the source code for Xbox. And so... A, you don't download all that stuff. So that, that's a nice experience for getting started. Yeah. But B, we, you know, Git has some features that GVFS kind of lights up very quietly and, and under the hood and you don't have to worry about it. So Git has some features that um, allow it to only pay attention to the, these files that you have. And so you work with it and you don't realize you're in this massive repository because you're not. It's just scaled down to the files that you actually have gotten on demand. And that's the sort of the key that really enabled Windows, yeah. the Windows team, to move over to Git. Uh, and it, it's, you know, it's one of those incredible partnerships that wouldn't have happened, well, I don't want to say wouldn't have. It didn't feel like it's the thing that could have happened 10 years ago when I started yeah. at Microsoft because oh, we, we were very siloed. Yeah, right. We didn't collaborate as well as we do now. So, and if, and in fact, yeah. you were even telling me that at one point, like, you, you left Microsoft and went to GitHub and then you came back. I did, yeah. And was... When you left Microsoft, when you came back, was there a difference, or did you uh, see the difference? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. I mean, the, the culture change at Microsoft had started when I was leaving, um, but it wasn't in full effect like it is now. Okay. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's night and day to when I started at Microsoft, for sure. And it's, I mean, it's incredible. It's, it's, it's empowering to be a part of an organization that actually works together now instead yeah. of like... I have to tell you, the vibe here at Build, it's blowing my mind. Good. Like this is This is really, it's... Because like you, like I've not been in a Microsoft event, or at least for me, I haven't been to one in quite a while. This is a really different vibe here this yeah. year. It's it feels very, I, it's it's friendly. I yeah. don't know how else yeah. to say it. Yeah, yeah. So what? Like you're talking about versioning, and yeah. you know, you've talked about the challenges with scalability. It's hard to imagine a product of bigger scale than what you've tackled here. Right. But like, what do you think the future is of versioning from here? Where are you going? Is it like working with, I don't know, some of the AI things that Microsoft has announced this week to kind of look out for problems? Like, where do you th see this going from here? That's an interesting question. I, I hadn't thought about it in terms of AI explicitly. Yeah. But, and there's, uh, there's some clapping that we hear in the background, but don't, don't worry, audience. This just means we're live at a conference. Yeah. Sorry, go yeah. on. I hadn't thought about it in terms of AI explicitly, sure. but I think that we, we are looking at some ways to... Uh, maybe protect your code better. Mm -hmm. How so? Um, so? So we have a feature in Visual Studio Team Services called branch policies. Mm -hmm. And that enforces uh, the way that you can merge your code. Mm -hmm. I have to have code reviewers sign off on it. The builds have to run. Tests have to pass. What if we could actually start adding in some like security into that? Oh, yeah. Tell me all about that. Well, you know, maybe you want to run cred scan as sure. part of that to make sure okay. that you don't uh, accidentally check in your secrets. Yep. No, wait, wait. That that that's now that's is that part of Azure now? Is is something like that? I don't. I, I haven't been watching the announcements. Uh, so I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I thought there was an announcement. Or I thought there was a pre-announcement a couple months ago about okay. about something like that to basically make sure that you're you know. 
<laughs> like, like your, your, you know, your, your, uh, your token passwords or whatever for your accounts aren't going to be checked into did your you Rezo s- or something. Did you see yeah. where Adobe did this? Like on their, their public blog? Oh. <laughs> they actually did this. They were responding to a, a, a customer and published everything out there. Oh, All no. the keys for for that. It was so basically anyone could impersonate them. Oh, but yeah. Because well, no, I mean, yeah. you see that on GitHub all the time. Yeah. I, mean, you do. I, mean, I mean, there, there yeah. are like projects that are dedicated to like siphoning through GitHub repos to find people's oh, username God. and passwords, Amazon keys, yep. Azure keys, whatever. Wow. Yeah, because people don't think sometimes when they're cloning stuff that yeah. if they're putting in their own things, oh, my WordPress install is like, mm-hmm. you that's know, a really there. good point. SSH yeah. keys. Yeah. 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 Oh, Ooh. that's a really common one. Yeah. Because yeah. people don't, don't understand always the intricacies of, of yeah. how that stuff right. works. So let's add a, let's add a gate when you, when you open a pull request, if it, if it finds an SSH key and it just rejects it outright. Yeah. And maybe suggests that you change it. I, w- I was going to say, <laughs> I was going to say we should reject it but also give an error message as to why and then maybe say, and also you should, you yeah. should change this now. Right. You'd have to open source that code though because yes. if you didn't, that would be a really huge target. Uh, that's right an there. interesting, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That's, a, that's a really good point. Yeah. But I hadn't thought about Personally, maybe you know I can't speak for the whole team. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, but you know I hadn't thought about AI and ML and how yeah, that could yeah. enable us to do more there too. Yeah, yeah. But I think that's I think that that's a really neat idea. Yeah. And I think that we're so now we've we've tackled moving Microsoft and especially moving Windows into Git, and I think it's now time to you know turn around and tackle the next set of challenges. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm really excited about that. I, I do think it's been time for standards to be brought to like what I like about this is. I think a lot of people, like when they first get started with software development, I think like your first project invariably goes into the waterfall method because yes. it's like, how do I do this? There's so much to do. Where do I get started? And I love that what I'm hearing from Windows is like a standard depth track. And yes, the tools can be like customized for every single person, but it's like giving some structure to a process is inherently very chaotic. And I think that's very, I think that's a, I think it's a step forward. I love yeah. it. Well, that's really cool. That's a good way to look <laughs> at it. Um, so um, what other stuff, is, is there anything coming up or anything that's been announced recently with any, any Git enhancements happening with VSDS? So one of the interesting things about the VSDS team that I, and the, one of the main reasons I really love working on it uh, is that A, we're very agile. Mm-hmm. And B, we are not, so build is a big event. You would expect some announcements. We're very uh, quality-driven when it comes to <laughs> our announcements. So I d- we don't have any announcements here at Build. Um, we have some announcements that I'm really excited about. Have me back on okay. uh, in a couple months, and we'll, we'll talk all about it. Oh, no. Okay. okay. Yeah. Very giving, giving, us, giving us a little tease. Um, cool. Um, and, um, and at this point, I mean... Uh, VSTS, I mean, it's, it's a hosted uh, solution for, yeah. yeah, right. And 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 that's kind of, I mean, but that's been a, a fairly recent kind of change that, that most of the the kind of focus has gone on, on, on the hosted solution versus like yeah. TFS, Yeah, right? so I came into Microsoft almost 10 years ago. I, I was working for a tiny little company that got acquired and I joined the Team Foundation server team, which is a on-premises, you install it in your data center and <laughs> it talks to SQL Server and SharePoint and, you know, it's it's all right there. That sounds and awesome. It, it's actually, I <laughs> yeah. mean, it's a great product. Yeah. But we, you know, over the last ten years, we've been pulling that apart and moving it into yeah. Azure. And yeah. so now, yeah. yeah, you can just go visualstudio.com, click a button, get started for free, and boom, you've got a, an account provision. You don't have to s- 
bring a server into your data center. Oh you don't have to God. set up SQL Server. You don't have to set up Team Foundation Server on top of that. I remember being a student in college in 1996 and trying to get a freaking copy of Visual Studio. Yes. And it was impossible. So it's like, you know, it's like, damn kids have no idea how easy it's they It's so have easy now, today. isn't it? Goodness. Uh, that's cool. Yeah, no, I mean, so what does that, I mean, what does that process but kind of been like, if, if, if I can ask you, of kind of seeing things kind of break apart and kind of go into this cloud thing? And what's been the customer response? Like, Oh, my gosh. Well, so at first, you know, at first I didn't even believe it, right? Everybody was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, we're going to do this thing. We're going to call it uh, Team Foundation Service. And I was like, nobody's going to want that. Yeah, obviously I was wrong. <laughs> uh, I'm not good at predicting the future, it turns out. But... Uh, the customer response initially was, well, this is a good idea. I like to not have to manage my stuff. Mm -hmm. But I think that it took a little while for people to realize that they could put their code into the cloud. I was going to yeah. say, because that always, that, I mean, that, that's a challenge, I'm sure, with some places, is to say, how can we know that we can trust our code here, that it's going to be secure, that you're, we're not going to get hacked, and that this isn't going to happen? Because, I mean, that's obviously, you know, GitHub has their own kind of, like, on-prem, you know, repositories, right. even for, com for companies. That's one of the reasons why GitLab has had some popularity, is, is the fact that people can run them on their own servers and whatnot. So... What's the, you know, since we're kind of talking security, what's kind of like the security, like, um, a, a, you know, a spiel to people who are looking at VSTS? So the, the first thing I tell people is that Microsoft spends a lot more on security than you do. There's, <laughs> there's really no enterprise in which that's not true anymore. I don't think that's true. I do spend more than Microsoft. <laughs> so, you know... Uh, I, I was talking to some banks in the UK. So I live in the UK. I was talking to some banks in the UK uh, last week. And one of them was complaining about how they're outspent by one of their bigger rivals in security. And I'm like, well, yeah, we still spend more, it turns out. Uh, so we do a, a, a pretty good job securing Azure, it turns out. And so that that is something that has really started to resonate. At first, I don't think people had really bought in on that. But lately, I think people are pretty convinced. But even if they're, they're not, uh, when I point out that all of, the, all of Microsoft's source code is now hosted in Azure, um, you know, so we moved Windows into VSDS, we moved Windows into a Git repository. It's not like in some server under somebody's desk. It's in the cloud. It's in Azure, the same thing that we use to host everybody's repository. And that really starts to wake people up. No, I mean, that's, I mean, at least you're, we're, we're putting our money where our mouth exactly. is. Exactly. And which I think is important if you're going to make that kind of statement, like, yeah. you can trust your code, you can, you, can tr you can trust your life's work with us, and we're saying, well, we're trusting our life's work here, too. Yeah, exactly so. Cool. Awesome. awesome. Well, Ed, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Thank you both. And um, uh, do you have a Twitter or anything where anybody can follow you? I do, do you have a Twitter. More? Yes. I'm E. Thompson. It's E-T-H-O-M-S-O-N, because there's no P in Thompson. Okay, excellent. But, I will follow you. Yes, yeah. okay, we'll follow you. We'll follow Ed on Twitter, and uh, where can people learn more about uh, VSTS and, and, and Git and, and that stuff? Yeah, uh, so if you're interested in VSTS, uh, visualstudio.com slash team services, and if you're interested in sort of the transition story for how we put Windows into VSTS, that's gvfs.io. Awesome. So I have one question before we go. Okay. What's been the most awesome thing about living in England? Um... Well, good the, food? the rain is yeah. good. <laughs> the yeah. food is better. Do you get to see Doctor Who before we do? You know, I. 
Um, you better not tell me you don't watch Doctor Who. Well, what, I, what I'm actually <laughs> going to tell you is that the way I watch television uh, wouldn't be through a VPN back to the U.S. Oh, because oh, that it. would be wrong. That would right. be wrong. So you absolutely, positively don't right. use a VPN to watch not. U.S. television. Absolutely not. I appreciate not. keeping it ethical. No, I mean, you know what? I, I, I totally don't use a VPN to watch East Coast TV <laughs> on the West Coast. So I've I can, never used so, that so, to get around baseball restrictions. I don't watch The Bachelor at the correct time um, <laughs> now that I'm on the wrong coast. Oh, um, my God. This is the worst. Oh, yeah. Westworld came on while I was in Seattle. Uh-huh. And I'm looking at Twitter. I'm like, it's uh-huh. six o'clock. Why is everyone spoiling and now, Westworld? And now you understand. Except, except uh, in in, uh, in Ed's world, he's like half asleep because it's, it's eight p.m. and you're like, and it's two a.m. here. Thanks, guys. That's right. Yeah. So as you wake up and you see the, the Twitter flurry, and you're like, now I got to ignore this until I get home and, and watch it. Watching sports has been <laughs> real rough. I bet. Yeah. I bet. Yeah. I bet. But but you know what we would never we would never say use VPNs to get around things ever, ever because absolutely be, 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 not. because because region um, restriction rules are there for a reason and That's we respect right. That's it. Right. That's right. If Rocket is about anything, it's about respecting the law. Absolutely, and Rocket the rules. is Rocket is all about and, respecting and Mike Curley. Absolutely, <laughs> yes, Rocket is definitely. That's all we are about. Uh, I appreciate that. <laughs> Thanks, Ed. Thank Thanks. you for coming on. This episode of Rocket is brought to you by our awesome friends over at Pingdom. And the reason the Pingdom are awesome is because they help keep your sites and the sites you love online. So Pingdom monitor your site so that you don't have to and give you real-time feedback so you know exactly what's going on at all times. Because let's be real, stuff breaks on the internet all the time. All the time. And in fact, every month, Pingdom detects around 13 million outages, which is more than 400,000 outages every day. So regardless of whether you have a small website or a blog or you know something that, that's important to you just to kind of get your content out there, or you're managing a complete infrastructure, it's super important to monitor the availability and performance of your site. And you really don't want your site to be down and know nothing about it until someone sends you a tweet or an email. That's actually happened to me before, and it's a really terrible experience to go. I've been sending people links someplace, and my site has been up, and now it's down, it's inaccessible, and I have no, how, I have no idea how long this has been the case. It's so easy to get started. All Pingdom needs is the URL you want to monitor, and they take care of the rest. Go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now for a 14-day free trial with no credit card required. Then when you go sign up, use the code ROCKET, that's R-O-C-K-E-T, at checkout so you get a massive 30% off your first invoice. Our thanks to Pingdom for their support of the show and Relay FM. And now we're going to talk with Lori Lampkin. And just for a note for readers, we actually did record this interview first before we interviewed Ed, but just for the flow of the show, it felt better to go with, or- with Lori second. And now we are joined by Lori Lampkin, who is the Director of Program Management at Microsoft for Visual Studio Team Services, otherwise known as VSTS. Lori, thank you so much for joining us here at Build, where we are recording live. Rocket, Brianna, and Christina. That's true. Yes. You're skipping lunch right now to I talk know. to us. I know. I'm looking at my lunch. I it's feel just very standing honored. here. I feel yeah, very no, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm dedicated. Yes. <laughs> so I know you've been busy, like you've been so busy, because I was, we were, I've, I've been doing the, the Channel 9 live scheduling stuff and Brat, who um, is our amazing podcast uh, connoisseur, has been doing this scheduling. I know that you've been very in demand. So other than being talking to a million people like us and, and analysts and other people, how's your build been going? It's been great. In fact, you know, I had an hour free today. I went down to the booth and started talking to some more customers. It's, I love it because I just get energy from other people and it's so great to be around here and look at how excited people are about some of the things we announced. And so I'm... I'm uh, I just feed off of it. 
So what I think is interesting to me about Build is I'm looking at all the news to come out of it. And I think Microsoft is in an interesting place because it's like you have so many products that are coming out. They're so key to the industry as a whole. Like really awesome stuff. With AI, you're building dedicated uh, hardware for, you know, uh, you know, neural learning, things like that. But there's not really a consumer product that you can point to this year. Do you find that that kind of is a struggle for kind of communicating what Microsoft is working on to people? Um, I haven't because, first, this is a conference for developers. Yeah, so that's a great they point. pretty much are like, hey, uh, what can I build? Yeah. And of course. I mean, I heard that over and over yesterday yeah. was, here's some examples, but well, we can't wait to see what you're doing. Yeah. And I found that really inspiring Absolutely. because they're... You know, you've heard, you hear about AI, it's always in the news, and, you know, you see it on the industry, you know, tech meme and stuff, and you're like, yeah, but but what is it really going to do for me? And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's going to take notes in my meetings, and I'm not going to have to, like, remember the action item? Yeah, bring it on. You know, and that's kind of the least inspirational, you know, like. That's who is what's really awesome, is you look at what things that Microsoft is doing this year, like the Batcave. And this is how developers really work. That, you know, we, we close the door, we get a toy, you know, we pick it apart, we learn how to build things with it. That is development. And that is really the culture that I'm yeah. seeing here. That's right. And, and obviously, you know, you know, VSTS, I mean, you're talk, when you say build, it's kind of like, you know what I mean? It's almost the name is built for, for what you work on. Um, but um, you're also with the, with the one um, engineering one engineering system at Microsoft. So yeah, Visual Studio works. Team Services is a set of collaboration tools for uh, developers to get stuff done, ship mm-hmm. their software and <laughs> services and all that. And uh, and build is one of the key elements, which gets very confusing because we're at the build conference. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, but we don't just ship these tools for other people. We use them ourselves at yeah. Microsoft. And, dog fooding. Uh, yeah, dog fooding. And, and we started this... Uh, Microsoft is a culture which has a bunch of different subcultures. It's not a single standard across the company. So everybody wants to choose their own set of tools and how they work and all that. And the problem is, is a lot of people are so focused shipping on their products that they're not really looking at what developers in the world are doing and they're not modern and, you know, kind of getting ahead and trying new things. So about four years ago, uh, Satya decided, you know, we really need to invest in our employees at the company, make them really excited to work at Microsoft, feeling like they're working with cutting edge tools that aren't just side projects that are underfunded on, you know, stored under someone's table, but, you know, that run in the cloud, that allow you access from everywhere, that help create a social and sharing environment that break down the silos at Microsoft. And um, if so I we, could say, like, as a developer, I've been on the other side of that equation where you have bad tools that aren't the best. They take time. They're inefficient. Sometimes you lose work from checking things in and out. But you're dedicated to it. And everyone in the pipeline knows it. And that is non-trivial, asking yeah. a major team to, like, switch over to a new, you know, whether it's Perforce or any kind of versioning system. Like, yeah, but it's really, it's really hard when you yeah. see um, people working on substandard tool or working with substandard tools and then yet they know there are other things off the shelf that they could be much better so one of our our prime philosophies is that it's what we use internally is what we ship externally what we ship externally is what we use internally Mm -hmm. so our external customers know hey uh this is going to be work for the largest size teams Mm -hmm. and all of that 
Uh, and uh, and we stand behind it. And our internal customers are going to say, I'm, I'm using the most modern stuff. I'm keeping up with, you know, containers and microservices and all of that. Right. Uh, now, what you're talking about is culture change and people actually shifting right. and moving to the tools, which is a whole other problem. Engineers, we're very stubborn yeah, people. Everyone, like we yeah, everyone. We get in the stuff that we love how to do. <laughs> so I want to ask you a broader question. And it's... You, you talked about this wider cultural change at Microsoft, like investing in your people. Like, if you wanted to point to like one thing that you've seen really change at Microsoft in the last five years, what what would you say? Like, how how's today's culture different than it was under the Steve Ballmer era? Well, I think the one thing is the use and reuse of open source. You yeah, know that I mean that is like. It, it seems kind of uh, simple, but it's also fundamental. It means I don't have to invent everything myself and feel like it's somehow superior. It right. means I am going to participate in a community, and I'm going to um, uh, get some benefits from that by not having to start from scratch, but also give back and, and really be part of the developer, the broader developer community, which... Yeah. Uh, open source has represented, and um, and I think that that's opened up the doors for Microsoft to innovate on new products and open up the doors for developers to to have um, some of our our smart people contributing. It's it's interesting. I'd love your thought on this, Christina, too. But something I see is um, open source can be really really great when it's done well, and I do see Microsoft doing the right things on that. I do think sometimes uh, companies will do open source for like a set of APIs that are deprecated or they don't really support it. And what I do appreciate at Microsoft is I do see you following through with that. I see you talking to the relevant people. I see you investing in the parts of that that need to be invested in. And I think I do think that that's been a really positive shift at the company. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I would also say I think that what's sometimes challenging and what people on the outside, I know what I didn't understand before I joined Microsoft, just being a reporter, being on the outside, um, even though I, I, you know, felt like I understood the software development process and, and whatnot is that when you're at a really big company, it's not so easy to just open source everything. Right. There's a lot of things you have to take into consideration. People say, well, why can't you just do this? Or why can't you just implement this? And there, there are a lot of layers to it. You know, the code might not be ready to be shown to everyone. So it's not even so much that we don't want to share. It's that what we did was so specific for our purpose and it's not clean in a certain way that if we are going to open source something, if we are going to, or if we're going to integrate community tools and give you know, uh, give things back, we need to make sure that they can actually be used by other people because there's no point, especially if you're a big company, you're going to have a lot of eyes on you in open sourcing something that unless it's just a, like a pure novelty, like, um, a, a, like I think it was like a month and a half ago or something, the original, um, uh, uh, file manager for uh, for Windows 3.1 <laughs> was open sourced on GitHub, which was it. amazing. I love it. And, and, you know, people were able to look at just, A, how little code there was, which was amazing, and B, some of the other things. But you see the warts and all with it. And so if you're going to be putting that out in the community, you have to be ready to support it. And that is a much bigger undertaking than every product every project can necessarily um, do. I mean, that, that's my perspective now, having been kind of on the inside a little bit, and, and I don't work directly, you know, on engineering things, but just talking with so many developers and seeing that that there, I think that's that's part of it. But I think also, I mean, I want to talk because, you know, this, this um, uh, is it 1ES? Is that mm -hmm. the, is that, is, is that the a acronym? Name that's the short name, is, yep. is, is one engineering system. I mean, how did that change the development stuff? I mean, obviously you said open source has been a, a huge shift. And, and I, I'm sure that that's been part of 1ES, but how does this 1ES initiative that's now a few years old, how has that changed how 
development is happening at, at Microsoft. And can you tell people what that is? A little yeah. Bit? So yeah. what what One ES yeah. is? So um, One Engineering System is the what it's uh, short for, and it is Visual Studio Team Services. Yeah. It's just um, sometimes we have to do things to um, bridge uh, the gap from where teams are, and sometimes we innovate on a large scale solutions that only you know Microsoft is needing right now or maybe other people need it, but we're going to get it right first. So a lot of times it's, it's kind of the motto is first party first. We, we ship it to our, ourselves and then we get it right. We iron out the kinks and then we, we release it more broadly. So it's a little bit of a bigger umbrella than just VSTS. And so I forgot your question. You asked me. No, I was just saying, how has it changed? <laughs> in, so I was, no, exactly. But how has it changed engineering <laughs> at oh, Microsoft? Right. So we started by saying we need to modernize to agile, just like everybody out there going yep. through yep. DevOps. They're yep. like, I need to do this agile transformation. Yep. So we rolled out our tools and we found a lot of people adopted our work item tracking tools, but really? not, necessar not necessarily agile. Oh, um, okay, so yeah. what we had in place internally in the company was so bad. People were so excited to change, you know, to your <laughs> point earlier about internal tools sometimes. And so they were super excited to change, but not necessarily ready to adopt Agile. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of teams went through the similar process of, you know, Agile to Scrummer Ball to, you know, like kind of going through that. And, and I found, wow, I'm starting to turn into a bit of a consulting role on top of like <laughs> building a product. I'm helping people with their practices um, internally. Wow, I, I kind of didn't expect that. Um, and so we started with that, and, and I think that really changed how a lot of products at Microsoft shipped. Like, Absolutely. you think about things taking two years plus to get out into market, not acceptable, and sure. without shortening your cycle times and figuring out how to plan better uh, or, or more iteratively than can't even say that word anymore, uh, <laughs> then uh, you, you can't even get off to a good start. And Absolutely. so I think that's changed a lot. Um, in the last year, we've been announcing um, all of the large teams moving to Git. Yes, that was a huge undertaking. That's exactly. Huge. Yeah, that I mean, I remember the I remember the blog post about that. I actually even just pulled it up again. It was it was from you know um, uh, about a year and a half ago, or close to a year and a half ago at this point, and that was such a huge. Uh, undertaking, and I remember I, this is before I worked at Microsoft, seeing it and being really impressed. I think I saw it in Hacker News, and was like, I can't even begin to understand how encompassing it was to move from because before Microsoft had been, had been using its own version control system. Yeah, yeah so it had been using the version there. Many pockets of the company were using different versions of uh, version control systems. A lot were using one in VSTS, and then we added Git to VSTS. And then we uh, added scale to Git in VSTS with something we call GVFS. I think our team really likes uh, acronyms, don't yeah. you think? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think our company kind yeah, of likes yeah. acronyms. Yeah, so I just said a bunch of yeah. yeah, super sure. fun. Yeah. So uh, we added scale to Git is the best way to think about it. And we, our first enormously large customer on that was a 10,000 developer organization called Windows. Mm -hmm. And uh, and they were able to move off of a, a an internal only. Uh, version control system that had been around the company forever into modern pull request workflows where people can collaborate and comment and share GIF files and, you know, joke around and have fun while they're getting some work done as well as get their work done in small chunks iteratively, you know, that whole DevOps uh, goodness. Yeah, and sure. so that's made quite a cultural transformation. Um, but and it's it, hard, though, because, yeah. like, every team is going to have its own culture. It's going to have its own pipeline to shipping things. It's going to have its own process for 
having conflict and like working, you know, hammering out a feature and like doing prototypes and bringing something out. That's got to be, it's challenging for like even a small company, but it's something like Microsoft. That must be a really big challenge to like let teams work in a way that works best for them, but also bring standards to the company as a whole. It's a balance. I'm not sure we're ever going to always, it's yeah. going to be a tension back yeah. and forth where yeah. my role is to push the modern way and, uh, and for businesses to say not yet or not that far, or, yeah. you know, actually it, it maybe hasn't got all the kinks ironed out of it yet and we're not ready. Uh, uh, and so, and I need to take that feedback and figure out how, how the tools and the processes in the industry can evolve to work for any size team of any length of a code base that's been around for 30 years or for three or for three days. So. Oh my God, that is a real challenge. Yeah. Do, but do you think, I mean, um, several years into this, I think especially after the, the Git um, uh, migration and, and some of the other um, stuff that's, that's come around that, the, the GBFS and uh, the, the Git uh, uh, file system uh, for, for Windows, which uh, was open sourced, um, uh, right, wasn't it, or was officially released? That was that. Yeah, so the cool thing about what we've done with Git is we haven't just made it scale. We gave the way that we made it scale back out right. into the community. So uh, now we have partner teams working on making it work for Linux. We're working on making it work for the Mac. And so uh, it's just really fun to be able to see that the whole world can benefit from this innovation. Right. But what I was, was going to get to is, do you think that that has made, you know, VSTS a better product, having shifted to this way, to, to, to this to this ecosystem and, and making everyone kind of do all this together? Do you think that VSTS for, for the customer yeah, is, mean, is a better product? Yeah, I mean, I think what we, we started by first, when we were first working with Git, we were working with the LibGit2 community out on GitHub and uh, to get get working for VSTS at the very beginning. And, uh, and I think uh, it's been great for our product. It's been great for our customers. And now we're seeing it's great for our internal teams as well. What do, what do you think the biggest challenge is for Microsoft in the next 10 years? Like, what do you think Microsoft... In terms of internal tools? Yeah. Yeah, Let's stick to internal tools, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, the... The biggest shift right now is, well, right now, we have two, I guess I'd say. The, yeah. the, in the near term, is making sure we have a build and release automation that is just seamless. You know, the whole uh, continuous integration, continuous delivery, we're seeing teams working on microservices, finding that really mm -hmm. simple, moving to containers and all that, but, you know, kind of getting the rest of the company there in, independent of where their code bases is and their, you know, have you ever modified a build definition? Some of these build scripts are really, how do they work? You know, yeah. nobody wants to touch it. So that's just a really tough um, problem that we're going through now. In terms of, you know, future thinking, it's like, I think all of our products are going to have AI and ML in them. Oh, yeah. And, you know, Definitely. and that is a really different methodology. Yeah. So I think of it as another shift, kind of like agile and kind of like containers is uh, how do I work with data scientists as a role? And how do I uh, work with all of this data and gain these insights and, and train models? And this is very different than testing. So yeah. uh, I think that'll be a really fun uh, new evolution of DevOps yeah. and a great way for both, inter again, internal and external, same product. So something, yeah. something I see a lot, and this is outside Microsoft, but it has to do with your tools, is... Running for Congress, I talk to every single school district that has 
its own system, like system for building the software, system for maintaining it, system for making changes. It's very, it's, it's not standardized. And then, yeah, I've been talking to people uh, that do contracting for the military, talking about cybersecurity there. It's the exact same problem. You've got every single department or agency has their own method of doing that. And you do have people in um, you know, cybersecurity, in the government, they're looking at you know, cloud computing, which Microsoft is making huge plays at, looking at the tools you're building and seeing, like, this does make sense. This is a good way to go forward. We need to standardize these things. But I think there's, I think on the outside, I think there's a need to communicate to the public that, you know, DevOps works, these kind of tools work, this kind of standardization works. And there's no need to reinvent the wheel every time you build something. A lot of it is gratuitous, yeah. you know, and, and I think... By being able to show how we've come from a bunch of different cultures and been able to standardize on some practices and some tools across the company, it can maybe inspire some people that they can get over their own uh, internal political hurdles, (laughs) (laughs) I'll call them. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So I, I think, and I'm seeing my role more and more in the company being an advocate of how you do work and how you work with the tools and how I can incent the change both through um, social reputation and gamification of the system so that you're encouraged to uh, commit your code more frequently and uh, <laughs> review each other's code and things like that. I mean, one of, the com- one of the top complaints that I heard from one of the latest 1ES surveys was, hey, um, it takes too long to get my code reviewed. And we're like, oh, what's wrong? What's wrong? And it's like, oh, uh, nobody on my team had the time to do it. It's like, yeah. okay, not sure how to solve that in <laughs> right. the tool. Exactly. It's, it's like, yeah. this isn't something we can necessarily solve with engineering. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a harder problem, um, you know, because there might not be enough people to, to do yeah. the reviewing. Although, when we talk about AI and ML, as you were just saying, I mean, it's possible at some point that you could bring that process into code review. Oh, I think absolutely. And I think we're already thinking about how to do that so that the more things we can get in a better known state, the more information we can process for you, then you can come in and say, oh, I only have to check for these couple things or, you know, it makes it, your job so much easier. Yeah. So much easier. I just, I'm sorry, I think out the engineering personality, it's like herding cats, right? <laughs> it really is. Like, we are so stubborn. We are. We find a way of doing things. It's yeah. Well, like, well, I was looking at, um, Amanda Silver earlier today was doing a, a demo of, of some of the new uh, IntelliCode stuff in, in Visual Studio Code. And I mean, that can uh, basically get, a, or in Visual Studio, rather, and uh, basically it can get an idea of what your what your code type is to and, and 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 kind of assume this is this is the standard that people are using so to to kind of enforce things so we're kind of getting there that's right a that's bit. an example and being able to say I can find these errors before you submit a pull request they're already beginning that journey and I think there's so much we can do to incent you writing better code but also um, wow you should probably run these extra tests or yeah. hey you know like you really shouldn't deploy without checking for credentials in your code <laughs> or you know and kind of just do it for yeah. you yeah, yeah. or, or if you happen. if you if you always kind of do the the, the same process for deployments maybe you, you missed a step hey you've missed a step that you almost always do when you're when you're dealing with this code base are you sure that you didn't mean to to, to do this too 
Yeah, I think I, we can get smarter. I do have to say, they're in, you know, we're talking of modern tools right now. I can't tell you how many times I've gone to compile something. You're finding the compiler, you're finding those warning messages, like even credential checks. Like, this is an absolute nightmare doing the certification if you're submitting to the App Store. So, I, I, I hear what you're saying. I'm just saying, is. It is sometimes a nightmare when you're actually trying to make this stuff work because it's imperfect, right? Yeah, you but know? but I think that's yeah. why why we're doing like why the one yes stuff yeah, is is absolutely. you know dog fooding is kind of working. Yeah. Um, be, I mean, we've only got a couple more minutes with you because we know you have another appointment. But I did want to kind of ask you so, you know, because you've been with this process with uh, internally with the Windows Group, you know, migrating to Git. Is life better after Git? Would you say <laughs> definitively? Like, I think it's definitely better after Git. Um, it was, if you'd asked, like, maybe the first month into the yeah, transition, that yeah, would gonna, have been a different, like, oh, my gosh, life is chaos. No, I was going to say, because at this point, it's been over a year, and I think, you know, and, and enough time has passed to maybe say, was it worth the pain? Definitely. I think two things. Git introduces a lightweight branching mechanism mm-hmm. that if you set up, if you decide not to change your branch structure, you're going to have a problem. But if you really use this lightweight branch structure, all of this integration of code movement that were people's full-time jobs can really just disappear. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can know that you're working on fresh code, yeah. not that your neighbor right. is working on right. too. That's right. so right. nice as opposed to, oh, I submitted and there's all these errors because a bunch of people... Because there were changes <laughs> made before I could exactly. before it could even get in the queue and, and I waste all this time. Yeah. yeah, That's right. So that's one big thing. And the other is the pull request workflow. It's just a really modern, iterative way to review code. And like you say, we can put a bunch of tools in that process that say it just passed 77,000 unit tests, the wow. build completed, you know, everything's good. You know, we ran credential scanner. There's no stored credentials in there. We can run a whole bunch of stuff and then collaborative code review. Like it's amazing for people to just be able to um, know that what's getting into master is of higher quality over time. So yeah. And more fun and more social environment. Yeah. All right. Well, Lori, we don't want to keep you because we know you have a million other things to do today. Thank you for taking the time to talk to us. Oh, but really where, where can people find here. more about VSTS and, and, and uh, uh, 1ES? Where can they find out? There's yeah, AKA uh, MS slash DevOps. It shows our story of our um, migration and transformation uh, through the DevOps journey. There's a ton of material there. All right. Thank you Excellent. so much. Thank, Thank you for you. coming. Thank, Thank you for a pleasure seeing you. Yes. All right, and now we're going to close out the show. Bree, what are you doing this week? What am I doing this week? I'm flying back to Boston tomorrow. I'm holding a huge uh, fundraiser tonight, which I'm really excited about. Uh, you know, we've got to raise a ton of money to basically produce some really uh, you know, first-tier ads, which I'm really excited about. Um, we've got the numbers to win my race. It's anywhere between 3600 and and six, uh, 60000 So that's 3600 I'm sorry, it's 36060 Thousand. So uh, going back to Boston, I'm working on that. Uh, we've got events all weekend. We're hiring more staff. So if you are living in the Boston area and you have experience with putting um, events together, please send me your resume. We'd love to work with you. Send Brie your resume. Work with Brie. You can find what I'm doing this week. So I'm finishing up Microsoft Build. Um, <laughs> and then I'm going to go to sleep. Yeah. Because I've been exec producing our Build Live coverage. So if you've been, if you tuned in during the live stream and then you suck around to look at the sessions, all the content happening between the sessions with stuff that I produce on our stage. And I'm exhausted. Yeah. Can I tell you something? Like over there, we're going to take a technical picture. bay to produce this. 
That is how many screens they had with launching the space <laughs> shuttle. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll, take, <laughs> like, I'll, I'll take photos yeah. of our setup for, uh, for, for the... Like that's for, for a the mission own. control right oh, there. Oh, no, it is. We've yeah. got multiple cameras. We've got a, a jib for moving shots. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a whole thing. And it's pronounced uh, jib? Jib, yeah. Oh, and And so it's, it's the, you know, this crane, basically, that Did kind of rolls around. Did you rent it? Uh, I mean, the, the production people that... You just have it laying in. around. No, yeah. I mean, no, yeah. for whatever production services we use brought that in. We've got this huge stage. That's good. Um, and do it did that... Uh, uh, 24, uh, no, 22 live uh, shows, and, and we're going to do end up 21 recorded yep. shows over three days. It's a oh lot. Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah, um, and all the content you'll be able to see eventually on uh, YouTube.com slash Microsoft Developer. It's an awesome channel. I love it. So I'm sleeping. Uh, <laughs> and, um, and Simone is uh, reminiscing, I'm sure, about her time with Bono. Yep. And uh, Brie, where can people find you on Twitter? Find me at SpaceCatGal on Twitter. All right. And where can people uh, find more information about your campaign? I can go to Brianna Week 2018, which we have completely redone. We brought in a data person uh, who's completely redone the site, just has implemented a ton of just genius data stuff with the site. So uh, it's really proud of that. Awesome. Yep. You can find me at film underscore girl on the Twitters, the Instagrams, et cetera. Oh, and don't forget, like, go to Rocket Live Show. Yes. We're going to have information about our live show at WWDC very soon. Exactly. So. We'll be doing a live show at WWDC, so make sure um, to, uh, to check that out. And... Um, you can uh, you can find Simone on Twitter at Doom Quasar because we don't want to <laughs> leave her out. And this episode of Rocket is terminated. Terminated. <laughs>